What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Switchbacks and Sweatstains, a podcast about living life in Chattanooga and running its beautiful trails and roads and exploring this beautiful city. I'll get this intro eventually. Anyways, I'm your host, Charlie Haney. Welcome to 2023, a new season of switchbacks and sweatstains hopefully going to be a little bit more consistent or it's just going to keep being the way it is um hopefully a monthly um episode from from here on out and uh you can hold me to it so anyways happy to to be back and recording sorry for the the bad voice in this intro and in the outro um, I am recovering from uh, the old COVID-19, so uh, living the dream, recording and editing a podcast. But uh, first episode of 2023 is a one that I've had saved for a while and finally got around to editing. I know that sounds exactly like the last episode with Sammy, and it is correct. It was actually recorded before the uh, Sammy recording, so this one's been in the vault for a while but wanted to kick off 2023 strong with an interview with my running mentor from Birmingham, Alabama. My Penhody mentor is how I actually refer to him more often uh, than not. That is Robert Pless, uh, a Birmingham native, um, a, a buddy of mine that I met while working at a bank down there. And he introduced me to a local 100 miler and a stretch of trail that is going to be forever my favorite. So we discussed the Penhody Trail, the Penhody Trail Race Series, the 100-mile race that we both know and love, and uh, anything else uh, regarding the sport and the city that he's called home for a while, and I got to call home for about four to eight years. So um, extremely thankful to, to have him on. We also delve into, at the very end, um, a nonprofit that we are both a part of, the Cahaba River Society. I'll drop a link in the show notes if you want to uh, check out that organization and uh, even consider donating um, some sort of funds or maybe time in the future. So without further ado, let's kick it to the first interview of this year, 2023. This is Switchbacks and Sweatstains with special guest Robert Pless. Let's hit it. I believe we talked about it a while ago, that coconut porter, uh, that German, I think it's German chocolate coconut porter that I brewed about a year ago. I'm finally getting the, uh, the go ahead to do one more test batch to see if that actually sticks. Cool. So, um, uh, brewing, brewing that on Sunday. I've been working with my, uh, good friend at the brewery and, uh, he's, he actually just got a job at Terrapin. And he's uh, moving in October, but he and I are doing one one more beer before he hits the road. Cool. And where's uh, It's in Athens, Georgia. Okay. So he's he's moving moving a ways away, which is sad, but uh, I mean a huge upgrade for him. So yeah. super thrilled about that. Yeah. Well, I spent um, when I went to a wedding in North Carolina two weeks ago spent some time with my godson who is a former brewer and now a distiller at, at um in waco texas at um not padrone what's it called is it padrone padrone yeah, Patron. yeah, tequila, tequila, yeah. 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 well it's uh, no that's the tequila it's not the tequila what it's uh hones something hones not cojones but um if you're interested i'll go look in the liquor cabinet and tell you after the thing yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> well, he's, really... all, he's all about this stuff. I mean, you'd love talking to him. Um, I... We had scotch tasting with him while we sat around and you mm-hmm. know visited on Sunday morning. <laughs> so... Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> My buddy that I went to Scotland with last year uh, went with his dad and sister uh, a week ago, maybe a week mm-hmm. and a half ago. And uh, I believe he's got me a special bottle of scotch from the Isle of Skye. So I'm desperate to get to Atlanta to see him again. Um, or actually, he'll be up. We have our 10-year high school reunion in a few weeks. So I'll remind him to bring it up then. But um, yeah, that uh, that Scotland race that I ran uh, goes off tomorrow. So oh, wow. 
I recorded an episode with him before he left to reminisce on that trip and honestly get like a non ultra runners perspective on Mm -hmm. crewing pacing and watching these dumb races. Right. Um, so if you, if you get a, get a chance or a hankering to listen to a podcast episode, that one's pretty good. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Um, you got my full attention now. All righty. We'll just, uh, we'll go for a, a hard restart. Okay. And, uh, go from there. I can, uh, uh, edit like a, a king. So sure. Robert Pless, welcome to Switchbacks and Sweat Stains. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing fantastic. Enjoying a close to fall. Like we're getting a, a little bit of a tease of what it will feel like here in two months, probably for us. This will right before that last heat wave, we'll get a little taste of fall. So it's uh it's been great. The spider webs are still out there, but the mornings have been fantastic up here in chattanooga like mid 50s it uh man it gets me it makes me sad that i'm at the end of my like training and racing season but uh, i just talked to my coach the other day about some uh some big adventures on the on the at and and chasing um some local local records or crowns um so excited about having a, a fun fall ahead but um yeah, let's jump right into it and get a bit of your background. I know you're dying to talk about your personal life, so we'll dive right in. Um, Robert, why don't you, I guess, give us a background on your where you grew up, uh, college, and then uh, what you're doing currently. Okay, I was born, bred, raised my kids, and planned to die in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, met, my, met my wife in St. Louis. I had to recruit her to come back here. But other than that, and I went to college in Vermont at Middlebury College. So spent, you know, seven years out of Birmingham, but I uh, found my way back and uh, I've been here for a long time. So, um, and, and kind of like it around here. Got my family here and my None of my grown kids live here, work here, but they uh, they they visit frequently. So this is home base. They do. You got a uh, a daughter on a on a plane right now. So That's right. That's it's right. Uh, an exciting weekend ahead, and um, not a Birmingham native, but as a, a former uh, resident of that city, it's uh, it's not talked about enough in the South as how great of a city it is. If you don't like to sweat, definitely skip late May until October uh, to visit. But yeah. uh, it's a, a, an amazing city. I got to sneak back there a couple of weeks ago for a concert at Avondale. Um, and if I hadn't enjoyed Avondale's beer that much that night, I would have snuck out on the Pinhody. But uh, ended up enjoying Red Mountain, which had been a long, long, long time since I'd run around there. I still still have that uh, that red residue on my shoes currently. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't wash off. <laughs> and it, I don't think it will unless I get yeah. get proper muddy here in the next uh, few weeks. Badge of uh, honor. <laughs> it is a badge of honor. Um, it well, it doesn't go without saying. But uh, off the top, before we really delve into the meat and potatoes of this this episode, I was talking with uh, the other co-host of this podcast about what my life was like in my early days at, at the bank and how I was actually in a, a bit of a lull and considering not running ultra marathons. But then one fateful day, some random guy comes barging into my cubicle and it's not my boss yelling at me to make a journal entry uh, correction. But uh, it was you asking about uh, is that your pin hoodie sticker or not pin hoodie, uh, stump jump sticker on your car and, uh, the rest is history. I'd, all that to say, I would not still be, I would not be running if it weren't for you. So in a way, uh, this is all your fault, but in another way, in a more thankful way, uh, thank you for reinvigorating my love for running because it is, uh, Obviously, I have a podcast talking about this crazy sport. So, um, you you lit the fire, and it's been a 
a very steady flame for the past few years. So I want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. You know, the, the, that fire doesn't, doesn't get lit by somebody else. It, it may, you know, the embers may blow off of somebody else's fire, but <laughs> buddy, you got to keep fanning that yourself and, <laughs> and be dedicated and do it. Nobody else can do it for you. So, um, I was the vehicle. <laughs> That's all. I've, I've learned a lot over the past couple of years about the community really and the people around you and your, in your circle, your crew, um, both on, on trail races and just in life is, are so key to, uh, to maintaining that, that flame for, uh, pursuing anything, especially this, this sport. It's, uh, it winds down, especially if you're, uh, doing it all year. So, um, yeah. Am I missing anything else as far as our, uh, relationship background goes? Um, no, no, that's, uh, you were, you know, uh, what were you 13 14 years old working your first job at the bank and i looked like it if i had shaved and i was an old guy so um <laughs> <laughs> That's I, asked, I asked the hr director whose subaru that was in the, in the parking lot with the rock creek stump jump sticker on it what idiot was uh spending his time <laughs> running around those steep hills in chattanooga she directed me to you so I was that idiot. I'm still that idiot that sure. tries to run up and down those hills. Um, mm-hmm. Stump jump is uh, three weeks away, but luckily it's six days after the Flagstaff Sky Peaks race. So I dodged that proverbial right. bullet and don't have to walk the last five miles in uh, full of regret and shame like I usually do uh, every year. But uh, I guess to get a, a background on your running career and intro to ultras, when did you start running fall in love with it and then what progressed you into the uh the ultra distance um well i guess i always ran i think i ran like a lot of people of my generation which is ran for other sports and i remember in high school training for soccer and um being at a kind of low point in my life and and learning that i could run hard and you know, kind of work out, um, anxiety, depression, and, and not clinical stuff, but just like being in a bad mood, you know, mm-hmm. go out there and bust my butt and, and, you know, get better and go farther and also feel better. And, um, so I, I always ran, um, and I, you know, I, when I was a teenager, I did some 10 Ks back in the day in the seventies and, um, then, you know, went to college and, and, and I, I rode, I bicycle raced competitively in college. I played rugby a lot, but, um, you know, I ran, I just got up in the morning and ran a couple of miles and that was just my routine. When I turned 40, I guess, I, um, my brother, I had remembered him saying one time that, um, that running a 10 K in under 40 minutes was a good time. And I turned 40, I went for a run and and had to walk for the first time. And it was, it didn't help that it was a friggin' wall of a, you know, hill straight up, but still it was just, I just realized I had my, my third child was, you know, five years old and, and that had slowed me down a little bit having three young children. And, um, so I decided I needed to set a goal. So I decided I was going to train for, you know, train to run a 10 K in, in under 40 minutes. And, um, and I did that. And, um, in doing it and my brother ran with me. my brother's 10 years older than I am. My brother went with me and we, you know, I realized at some point too, that as an old guy, you're just not getting any faster. So the only chance you've got is to go longer mm-hmm. because you know, fast guys don't have the patience, don't need to, to run long races they can run short races win and then they can kick back and take a shower and drink beer and you know have a nap before you get to the finish line um so i started running longer and I, i've always liked running off road the you know being in the woods has always been where i've been most comfortable mm. and um my brother and i came across this uh you know uh, posting for the the first annual chiha 50k and it was on some familiar trails and the, you know, 
Talladega National Forest around Mount Sheehaw in Alabama. And so we both signed up for it. And um, and it didn't matter that, you know, the longest race I had run was a 10K. Um, we weren't intimidated by the mileage. It was in the woods. And, you know, kind of we weren't going to try to go out there and run the 10K pace on it. We just wanted to kind of get out. So anyway, he and I trained for that. And, and I did it. And I finished that first one in six hours and 17 minutes. And it almost killed me. And I am still, I think I am most proud of that t-shirt I got, you know, almost mm-hmm. 20 years ago now, um, than, than any other achievement. And not, I don't, not that I've gotten many achievements, but the, you know, the, the, the earning that, that first one was definitely among the hardest. Um, and, uh, you know, and from there you realize, oh, you know, if I had done this or that, you know, I could have been a little faster or I could have enjoyed it more, or, you know, kind of figure out nutrition while you're running and, and just you know simple strategies i was never a threat to win that kind of race but you know i could compete i could i could be i could run with the big dogs for a little while and and you know and it was fun and i enjoyed that and so that was 2005 um i haven't missed a shehaw 50k since um mm-hmm. i am one of three people who have done them all heck yeah yeah, so uh, uh, plan to be there on the starting line in February 2023. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, but anyway, so that was kind of that was that was my gateway drug was Chihaw. Um It it you know that mile 28 of the 31 miles has a, a sort of infamous climb. They call it Blue Hell. Um, it was blue hash marks up the side of this uh, up the side of Mount Chihaw in a fairly inhospitable climb it's a tough hiking climb it's a tougher run climb especially after you've you know already run over a marathon and um I, you know i just laughed going up but as my quads both seized i laughed going up at um just at the at the you know any sport that would routinely include this kind of crap was was all right by me so Anyway, that did it for me. And then I've, I've done a bunch of different ones since then, but, but that's my home race. So. Uh, um, first off, uh, 6.17 for a, a first ultra, especially that, knowing Blue Hell and having uh, one, one experience of going up Blue Hell myself, uh, I hate that climb. Right. I hate ev- everything about it. Um, I'm glad that there were no cameras the one time I ran it. Cause I was pretty much in tears and I was like, this is scrambling. This isn't yeah. running. That's what it definitely is. Um, well, that year, that first year, they actually had splits between all the aid stations. Ooh. And I was very proud that my split up blue hell was, if not the fastest right there amongst the fastest, which is to say everybody else was just slow as hell. Um, I mean, that's kind of always been my strategy is if, you know, if the, if the conditions slow down the fast guys or, you know, the train or something, then that, that's great because that only helps me because, um, you know, I can't catch them, but if something else beats them down, that's good. So anyway, hills are the great, great equalizer. Yeah. Well, I saw, I had this last running of the. Chihaw race. I had a little old lady on a walker pass me going up it. Um, so I, you know, I, it's not quite the same as it used to be. <laughs> well, she, she was fresh. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> she was trying to set a PR. She, she had sure. wheels on her walker. I swear. God <laughs> <laughs> didn't qualify her. <laughs> yeah, I think I think at most races that's under uh, the list of equipment that you're not allowed to have. That's uh, those are. <laughs> premium poles or the walker <laughs> that's uh i love that um so you said kind of off the top of talking about the finding the chiha race you were familiar with that area when did you um i guess familiarize yourself with the talladega national forest and when did you um learn and start exploring the the ben Hody trail um you know, I, I grew up in this area, so it's, you know, it's not that far from home and I've hunted around it all my life and, you know, and just kind of passed through it and, and hiked around in it. But I guess I got to know the Pinhoti Trail in particular 
my my son who is now 31 um when his boy scout troop decided they were going to be the first troop to to hike the entire Pinhoti trail um i signed up and um and we did it you know a section at a time but um that was a lot of fun and and on several of those several of those outings i would i would run ahead and you know and and or park and and move a vehicle or use you know i'd use it as a training run but um and that's some of the you know that was as the trail was being fleshed out and sections were being added so mm-hmm. it was it was brand new on the alabama side and it was kind of fun um so yeah we kind of felt like it belonged to us which was neat yeah that is really interesting i feel like we uh missed uh missed us talking about that before um when did uh the alabama section of the pinhoti get uh created yeah you know i don't i don't know the i don't know the dates but um let's see um it was it was probably it probably started in the 90s okay um 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 um, I'm guessing that the, I know that some of the sections that are there now, the, the section from highway 77 to Sylacauga wasn't there when we started. Okay. That was added as he was, uh, as he was doing it. So in fact, the first time, the first time when they opened that section up and we, we, uh, did it with the boy scouts, it was during, uh, it was during, uh, the hunting season, the, the, the gun hunting season, the Talladega national forest and the, um, the uh, public land hunt was going on at the time. And I was, my plan was to run it. It was a, like, at that point, it was like a 17 mile section. I was going to run it mm-hmm. and then run back and meet them and then walk in with them. And the boy scout troop leader was this old army guy or old air force guy who was very rigid. And if he had a plan, he stuck to his plan always. And I got about a half mile into the trail and heard some really close shots and lo and behold, um, seconds later, a a doe crosses the trail in front of me with it with her entrails hanging out. Oh wow! And and you know collapses fifty yards off the side of the trail, and um, and I am terrified that the you know some some guy with a shotgun is going to come up and, and you know and the Boy Scouts are going to get injured. So anyway, I I've kind of flushed and it was just and it wasn't anyway it was a kind of it, the distances were such that it was hard to hard to know what to do anyway i i, mm-hmm. I tried to and kind of took all that mm-hmm. um anyway and, and and i ended up running ahead ran out of water um um because because the the trail was fresh and new and incomplete in some places and um and by the way this is the same section i paced you on in the okay. Denhody. Yeah. So um I I am out of water. I'm it's it's kind of hot for November. I'm running back looking for these Boy Scouts. I'm thinking that if I can't find them, it means they've been shot. Um turns out the scout leader got it was taking longer than he expected. He got concerned, hopped off, got on the sky on the, the road and mm-hmm. walked down the road and I passed him. So I ended up doing, you know, instead of 17 miles, I did you know 34 miles and last half without water and um and um had to when i finally found them at the at the end of the trail had to act like everything was okay i managed not to throw up until i got back into birmingham oh wow <laughs> but, that's uh, a bunch of water <laughs> that is, uh sounds like one of my many many afternoons on the penhody during the summer epic epic day out with the with the boy scouts so. oh definitely um so so i I credit the boy scouts with turning me on to to the penhody (laughs) definitely that's uh that section that you paced me on is one of my favorite sections of trail anywhere it it will always forever be in my heart uh the amount of saturdays i spent out there running out of water because i never packed enough or especially during the summer if you don't start at six you you're going to end up drinking more water than you can possibly carry. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful section. And, uh, ever, ever since I 
Um, my first experience out on the Penhody was pacing you at uh, the Penhody 100. Mm-hmm. I'd not not ventured out there before. I'd, I'd done all my training either Chattanooga or Oak Mountain or Red Mountain or back behind the uh, Jewish Community Center. So um, you introduced me to one of my favorite trails of all time. And um, I guess after after Chiha, when did the the rest of that that race series kind of come to pass with Rebecca Mountain and yeah, Chiha was the first race that um, that Todd Henderson directed. Um, so that, that was the, 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 the birth of the series. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know the years of them all, but, um, I can't remember what year this will be for Penhody, but um, I want to say it's a dozen plus or minus. Yeah. It should be close to close to 15, if not 14. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and this is, this would be year 23. So this would be the the 18th or 19th running of the she hall 50 K and all the other ones have kind of come in between, I think. So he built up from the first 50 K to the hundred, but it's still, you know, Rebecca mountain, she hall, pen even the, the, um, the, um, Chakalaka 50 K mm-hmm. they're, they're all on, you know, stretches of the pen So he, and I guess the, uh, you know, there are different stretches. There's some overlap, but um, he takes advantage of that, of that, of that trail in a good way. So, yeah. I, I love how accessible it is, especially Adam's gap on is so accessible by truck. Cause you've got the, mm-hmm. uh, that gravel road uh, for the, uh, the power company and onward from that. And you've always got access from, from the main roads as well. So uh, it provides such a great opportunity for people to see sections mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a a favorite section of that trail? Um, you know, it 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 kind of depends the time of day and the t- and the season. I think just I love the and this actually in the Penhody Trail. It's part of the part of the Chihaw race route, but it's the Silent Trail from. Lake Chinnaby up to um, up to the road, and it goes by Chinnaby Creek, which is an absolute spectacular, you know, mountain stream. It's a pretty big creek, and it's got just some beautiful pools and waterfalls, and, and it's just lovely. And it's and it too is super accessible. Um, it's a great hiking trail. It's a great running trail. My daughter that you mentioned before, who is 24 years old now. She and I did a backpacking trip through there a couple of a couple of summers ago when the blueberries were out and and full berry, and just had a great you know couple of days. Um. um but there are other sections. I mean the the um, you know that section along Rebecca Mountain uh, mm-hmm. uh, is gorgeous, and and I've got some great associations of that. You know, popping out at Adams Gap. Uh, one one Penhody night when the moon was full and um, and my wife was at the aid station at one thirty in the morning and mm-hmm. getting to see the the halo effect on the moon. I didn't know if it was me being delirious or if it really was. It was absolutely spectacular. And um, you know, um, uh, anyway, there. You know, I could I could I could talk about every sec. Every section is my favorite section at some point. You know, the great thing about that, that section of that area of, of Penhody is that the just about every microclimate in Alabama, except for the coastal plain or the kind of beach habitat is represented, you know, every few miles is different. I mean, you'll have, you know, you'll have kind of a, a, a swampy bottom land for a little while, then you'll have a mountain creek, then you'll have a a mountaintop and you'll one side of the mountaintop you'll have you know um long lake forest the other side you'll have a lot of scree and hardwoods and um you know um it's just uh it's just lovely and it's mm-hmm. just a great i mean it's it's there's another section that has a at the in the um i guess um back towards heflin where you know maybe 
six or eight miles into the Pinhoti, the sun is up a little bit and you're coming around the, the side of a, a fairly open mountaintop mm-hmm. through a longleaf forest and you've got just a spectacular view of the of the valley below you as the sun is rising and and it's just you know the, at that time of year the the uh, sweet gum trees are starting to turn orange and and the long leaves are starting to drop their 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 needles it's just beautiful i just have lots of fond memories of it it's a it's an ideal start to a hundred for sure to to have that beauty and as while you are still coherent and having a good time um to have that view uh, i always wish that uh the section from from borders to uh to bulls gap is in sunlight because i i think that's a beautiful section especially with uh all the foliage being being in its its fall best or close to it i think would be is a beautiful view and uh, i plan to take take that in not at the penhody this year but uh as soon as i can get down there uh, do do some adventuring uh but silent trail at sunset i have a a vivid vivid memory of going through that and uh all of those kind of replanted trees through there were all turned and it was beautiful orange and yellow and that was the first of two times that i shed a tear uh during that uh race because the uh, the next time I is one of my all time like adult core memories is how I refer refer to them uh, was coming down to the uh, Bulls Gap Aid Station with you mm-hmm. and Ramble Man was playing and you said perfect Charlie Haney the Ramblin' Man <laughs> and for whatever reason I guess the time of day and the mileage. Uh, got me very emotional and luckily I got to take a five minute nap to regain some composure before I got up and ran again. But um, yeah, that's uh, two uh, incredible memories I have. And then uh, pacing you the two years before at Pin Hoodie uh, sunrise going into to Bulls Gap was, was beautiful as you start to descend and you get into those big old tall pines. Oh man, it's absolutely gorgeous any time of year, but especially then. Yep. Yep. Good memories. Yeah. We've got a picture of you, a, a video of you clicking your heels coming up, coming into the aid station at Bulls Gap. Now, that was when you're pacing me, not when you were racing. I think you might've actually did it a little bit when you were racing too, but. <laughs> I, tr- I try and do it, uh, do it once a race. It was, it's yeah, one of my, yeah, yeah, uh, my, <laughs> my marquee things. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I didn't do it at, um, uh, any of the big races last year or this year, um, going up Pikes Peak, I was never in a good mood. And then Scotland, I was just lucky not to fall off the side of that mountain. So, um, (laughs) gotta do it when it's, it's safe, but, um, yeah, yeah, I am, I'm always incredibly thankful that you uh, out of the blue. I, I, I think we were pretty early in our, I guess, friendship had yet to run together. And then you asked me to pace you, uh, and asked me how many miles I could could take on, and I said, "I'll just give me give me whatever you can." And uh, sitting around the fire, getting to to meet your family, um, it's a uh, it gave me a, a great appreciation and what uh, an idea of what I wanted to get out of hundred mile races or big races where I could have a crew. Like it, it made me decide that I it's going to be a really tight circle and really close group that comes and watches this race. Uh, because I I knew how much fun and how um, intentional and, and great your your family is as either to a stranger like me at the time or um, just a, as a crew is a great group to to have around. Um, I guess how many years have you run the the Penhody One Hundred? Uh, I've only done it three times. I did it three consecutive years. Okay, yeah. And then I paced you the I guess the a fourth year. Mm-hmm. And then last year I laid out. This year I'm laying out, but I'm hoping next year. You know, we'll see. Ever hopeful. I'm not getting any younger, so we'll see. But <laughs> oh man, I, I would, I would love for it. I would personally skip out on on racing it to to make sure I could come down there and crew for it. So please, please keep me in mind, and I will, I will 
um, in the healthiest way possible motivate you to to get back out there and run it. Okay, deal. You got me into it. I'm going to get you through it. Okay, okay, deal. Well, I tell you, one of my one of my one of my best memories of of any of it, you know, me me running or, or witnessing running was pacing you through that section and watching how you, um, you know, just charged on. And, um, I mean, I only ran what 10, 12 miles with you, mm-hmm. but, um, you were, you were fresh, you just come up that long climb. You were, you know, acting fresh and, and, um, and just driven, just continuing to, because we passed a bunch of people and, um, and, you know, it was clear to me, nothing was going to stop you. And, and I was concerned when you wanted to take that nap. Um, because that's not something I could ever do is just lay down for a minute and get back. I don't think I could anyway. It's just, I've never done that, but you I, did it. You, you, you were five minutes down and you popped back up and went on. And uh, I, I was getting, getting sleepy, but a lot of that energy that I had was, was generated from you. Like you were, uh, your energy through that whole section was amazing. Um, so I, I credit that section to, to you. And then, uh, definitely credit my coach Corinne Malcolm for uh on essentially a month and a half is what I gave her to get me ready for this and she got me through it so yeah it's fun to it's fun to witness it on buzz because I've never faced anybody before and um you know I didn't know what to, to expect and you know I kind of I don't know you know it take it's it's such a slog to get to the point where you can do that you know, to run a hundred miles. And if, you know, if, if, if you're, you know, it's one thing to, to be tempted to jump into a pickup basketball game. Mm-hmm. When you see one, I don't think many people are tempted to jump into a hundred mile race, you know, if they hadn't just put six months of training into it. So I wasn't really tempted to jump into it, but I didn't know how I'd feel. Cause I, you know, run the previous three of them and I knew, you know, a lot of people at the age station on the course, but uh, it felt great just being a part of your team. And that was a lot of fun. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, getting out there in the middle of a cool night, um, you know, just hanging out at the aid station for a little while. It was, it was a, it was a great experience. So good job. <laughs> oh, thank you. That, that race, uh, means a lot to me. And, and, um, thankfully, uh, because of our, our friendship and you asking me to, to pace you, which was also my first time pacing anybody. And looking back, I know I did a, a, not a dreadful job, but a pretty bad job of being a pacer. Like I asked you a lot of deep personal questions. There's a lot of questions that are like really good for podcasting. Maybe that was my <laughs> inspiration, but we had a lot of really, really long, long stretches of, of silence out there. Um, I will admit now, so it's in podcast form and on the internet forever. I had tried multiple times that day to take a nap, never did. And from, uh, definitely from pinnacle on, I was seeing things. I was tired. I was like, we just gotta, we just gotta keep moving. And I was just as pumped as you were when the sun came up. I was like, okay, I got him here. We're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that uh, uh, that was a great learning experience for me, but uh, fired me up to, to run 100. And, you know, there's a nice little treat at the end of it with uh, a, a ticket into the lottery just to give you a glimmer of hope to run the Western States 100. Mm-hmm. Um, still still waiting on that, but yeah. fingers crossed for 2023. Yeah. And uh, definitely fingers crossed that... Uh, everything goes okay with the the wildfires out there there it is uh burning through a lot of really important and uh significant sections later in that race so hopefully hopefully the state's trail holds on but um luckily we haven't had uh had anything knock on wood for the penhody um i've been out there like really close after some uh controlled burns out there and uh, they do a really good job of of monitoring and, and taking care of that area. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I ran up Chuck one year um, when they had to um, 
reroute the race during the race because of the fire. I mean, they, you know, it was, uh, um, it was, it was just, it wasn't a problem for us, but it was, it's kind of funny. They had to do all the scrambling around and create oh. an out back where there shouldn't have been one, um, because the fire had moved in a direction they didn't expect to move during the day. Hmm. But, um, knowing that race director, I think that that probably, uh, no pun intended, uh, yeah. fueled his fire. Cause he, he yeah. loves to mess around with race courses. Yeah. Uh, but uh yeah it's uh it's a beautiful thing getting out getting out in the woods and exploring and, and suffering you'll learn a, a lot about yourself and if you're out there with people you uh you get a lot closer with with that person so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great experience um a lot of things are really are revealed deep into a, a long run you know <laughs> definitely if you, especially uh, if things start going going south, um, health wise, it is you'll get to learn a lot about a person, maybe see a lot of a person. And um, I discussed it with my friend Eric in the last episode that we recorded um, here in mid September uh, about pacing, especially late at night, is more so like, kind of like babysitting. You're just kind of making sure it just stays on stays on the trail. You tell them, hey, have you eating and drinking? uh enough or um it's got to be a fun experience i got to be on the on the flip side and uh crew a friend last year unfortunately she beat my uh time when that year that you paced me so uh Pinhoti is firmly on my to-do list to go back there and, and set things straight and um i already i made the bold claim to her and another friend the other day that uh, the next time I run it, there will be a new course record. So uh, I've put that out in the ether. So it's got to happen. Okay. Well, there you go. So I will, I'll keep you apprised of when that is. I would love for it to be next year. I'm I'm really, I almost, uh, I had a connection that said that they could help me get in off the wait list and I'm not even signed up for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so, so tempted because that racing season's done next Sunday and that's enough time to kind of get the body ready. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had plenty of 80 mile weeks. Uh, uh, some would say too many for somebody that's just training for a 16 mile race, but uh, I love it. I'm never opposed to it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take all the miles I can. Um, I guess to transition and, and slowly work towards wrapping it up. I know you've got, um, to get to the get to the airport and be prepared to to hang out with family for the weekend. Um I guess your ooh, I've got the next bullet point is why you love it, which could be the Pinhoti series or the hundred mile race or why you love running. I'll give you a, a choose your own adventure answer where you want to go. Well I mean I you know I I I realized that in in life I tend to migrate towards a, towards a lot of solitary pursuits and you know something that you know you're not really racing anybody else you're racing yourself mm-hmm. um, and and you're depending on yourself and you know hopefully you're not imposing too much on any other people I mean there's there's you know, there are all sorts of little caveats and all that but mm-hmm. you know running is such a simple pursuit every everybody can do it. Everybody can get better at it. And, um, there are just so few barriers to, to entry and to improvement, um, that, you know, uh, it doesn't require a lot of gear. You can do it anywhere. Um, you you can do it anytime. So that's the, that is the appeal to running, but the the long stuff, you know, that I kind of happened on by, by mistake, unfortunately. I mean, I, I think if, trail runs had been, you know, shorter by their nature than uh, I wouldn't be running ultras. Um, I just like being in the woods and, you know, once you get a little taste of kind of pushing the, the physical envelope, there is a, a kind of interesting element to that. And it does, it really does teach you about yourself. It teaches you to pay attention to your body and to kind of, you know, what to listen to, what to ignore, what to push through, you know, what to, what to heed. Um, and I think that's a, you know, it gives you a lot of time to, to meditate and think and pray and, and, 
and just kind of solve all the world's problems. So, I mean, that's, that's a big part of the appeal. The other thing is that, you know, in, in a world that can beat you down, um, you know, you can derive strength from, from a lot of things, but for, for me, running was a, was a great thing. I could feel strong because I could be stronger. I mean, I could be stronger next week than this week if I went out and worked hard this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't, I mean, at one time in the gym, wasn't that kind of strength. It was a you know, different kind of mental fortitude and endurance and, and, um, you know, when it feels like, I don't know, I just, uh, that's a, you marry that to running and then you've, so you've got a way to control how, how you feel in the world mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And, um, I just, I like that feeling and, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to go out and, and dedicate the kind of time over years to build up, you know, your body such that it can handle running a hundred miles in the woods. And, mm-hmm. um, and people don't just accidentally do that. I mean, I, I love standing on the starting line of a hundred mile race. You see people of all shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you can usually pick out the the handful of people that are going to fight to win it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a few people. And then you've got, you know, you've got people that look like they hadn't been off the couch in a while. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. have fat, real fat people, but you've got plenty of people that are that are big. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they're not all little, little um, whisper thin wave types. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they're out there doing it because you know they have they have trained their body to to get them across the distance um and uh, that to me is is cool um you know everybody can't do it but most people you know a lot more people could do it could do it than they realize and so just learning that about yourself i think is a great and valuable lesson so uh, you know i've told you about ten hody that whole series i, I love and it's close to home for me. And so it'll always have a special place in, in my heart. You know, I have not traveled to many races. I don't, uh, I went, I've got a, you know, Kevin, who you've met is my good mm-hmm. running buddy who lives in Minnesota, grew up in Alabama with me, but lives in Minnesota, I've gone up and, and done a race up there with him. And he and I did uh, a race in Vermont years ago. And, um, and I've done some, a, a race or two in Michigan while vacationing, but otherwise I've stuck to Alabama or the immediate vicinity mm-hmm. um, just because there's plenty for me to do around here. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd be need to go out West sometime or, or, you know, take you over to Mont Blanc and do that. Um, uh, but, you know, if I, if that doesn't ever come to pass for me, that's fine. I've got so much to do around here and mm-hmm. so many miles of trails that I can appreciate here that I'm, I'm content with that. It's the Talladega National Forest is is a, a gem for the for the state of Alabama and for the for the South. And um, as we we both know, we in our time in Birmingham around the Cahaba River, we have such a an amazing um, bit of of biodiversity and. Um, and life just in these, in these streams in central Alabama that no one without being told would, would know the wiser that it's such a diverse ecosystem and it's uh, one that needs to be taken care of just like any mountain stream. Uh, Listeners of this podcast will know of uh, the episode with uh, Jeff Simmons talking about the uh, fragility of some of the the life here on on signal mountain and in the tennessee valley um the the same goes for the the Cahaba river and it gives, gives me a, a greater understanding and appreciation for where we get to to run in birmingham and alabama just the and like you talked about with the diversity of, of landscape on the penhody like it's a uh, it's something i think it, everybody needs to get out and see like uh, to be able to travel 100 miles on foot and see most of that is incredible, but uh, there's plenty more to see as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Cahaba river is a, is a great resource is 
you know, a 180 something miles of free flowing river through central Alabama. Um, and, you know, encompasses a big watershed that includes um, a great part of the Birmingham metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, I took it upon myself to paddle the whole thing in sections a couple of years ago. And I'm still a few sections short. I hadn't, I've, I've got uh, un, uncommitted dates with a couple of lower river sections, the, the flatter water sections, but it is, it is, it is a cool example of the biodiversity in Alabama too. There's, there's just so much life in that river and it's so different from the upper reaches to the lower reaches. Um, it's a, it's a great resource that needs taken care of. Definitely. And I will uh, make sure and link uh, the Copper River Society in uh, the show notes. It always sounds so podcasty and professional when I get to say that there's a link in the in the show for people to follow. And but um, uh, you gave me a great opportunity to try and jumpstart a junior board with the Copper River Society, and uh, it's it's still something that means uh, a good deal to me so uh this time of year uh, that we're recording is pretty close to the fry down which is a, mm-hmm. a a major um portion of the of the funding that the river society gets but like any organization that's trying to care for the the waters and the uh the world that we live in uh we're always in in need of of raising funds for that and providing any sort of help that we can so uh, listen, dear listeners, please do, uh, follow that link and, uh, give generously. And, uh, if you want to, I, I will drive you down there in my, uh, Subaru Forester and, uh, we'll go clean up, uh, some of the river. It's, uh, mean, means a good deal to me. So, well, there's a, there's a rumor that the, the, so the Cahaba River Society used to sponsor a race called the Cahaba River Ramble. It was, a 5k or a 10 mile um race you know uh, along the banks of the river and, and you know and then off the river and back that that included a, a hellish climb just to make it a trail race um and um it happened for a dozen or more years and then was discontinued a couple of years ago but i understand that the board's trying to bring it back um and that it will take place in the shelby county cahaba river park which is a fairly new park Mm-hmm. Um, at the confluence of the Cahaba River and Shades Creek. And um, so I think that's something to look forward to, to put on the race calendar in 2023. I'm not sure what the dates are or even what the month is, but I know they're working on something. So, Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I will uh, keep this, this group apprised of it. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I've gotten, uh, I think I've just participated in in that race uh once we did a, a virtual uh version of it during the pandemic or coming out of the the heart and soul of the uh 2020 early 21 um but yeah being down there in west blockton and especially the time of year with the the river lilies uh being in, in full bloom was um awesome yeah. so uh hopefully i i never i'd been out to that new uh, park once or twice before I moved up here to Chattanooga because that was relatively new in yeah. 19 or 20, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. R- ramble once again. That's it. Ramble on. Ramble. Rambling man. <laughs> ramble man needs to ramble on. Right. Um, as we wrap up, you have about what? Uh, we'll give it five minutes to give you a little bit of a buffer with 5 30. Um, your, uh, hopes for, uh, I know you want to, you've got Chiha 50 K coming up in February and you want to get back to pin Hody relatively soon. Um, I know you've started to venture into the sprint triathlon. Do you have a, another one of those, uh, picked out? Um, my daughter does. Uh, she's got several of them picked out. I hadn't signed up for anything yet, but um, I have uh, probably by the time the weekend's over, she'll have signed me up for something. There we go. So we'll see. But um, but yeah. I, so I, no, I don't have anything official on the schedule yet. But I'm I'm game for whatever. I'm game for whatever. I, 
my my race aspirations have ratcheted down um you know from trying to go hard and fast to to uh, i always tell people if you're enjoying it you're not doing it right so i don't want to say i'm just enjoying it but um you know enjoying the suffering yeah yeah you want to get through it get through it up time beat the cut off and uh, not be too embarrassed so um uh uh, as I said earlier, I'm not getting any younger and, uh, I'll ride, I'll ride this horse as far as it'll take me. I think it'll take me to another race or two. So we'll see. Definitely. Uh, uh, can't wait to, um, I think Chiha is when, uh, I'm out in Arizona for the black Canyon hundred K. Um, but like I said earlier, put me down for crewing. Uh, your pin hoodie 100 and i'll i'll put uh just on your distant calendar in the next five years i want to make an fkt attempt of the pin hoodie trail uh start to finish north north to south and would uh would love for you to to be there it would would be uh it wouldn't be fitting unless you were there to bring me to the to the finish line of that Okay. Well, it's a deal. There we go. It's a deal. I'll be there. Awesome. One last question before I let you go. Uh, That's what I ask a lot of our guests and it's one that I did not put on the run of show because I like to kind of have it be a surprise and I do rip off another podcast that Mm -hmm. asks the same question. But if you could put a message on a billboard for everybody to see, uh, what would it be and why? Hmm. Oh boy. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the, the Greek. I used to have this over my desk when I was a teacher, mm-hmm. but, um, to that own self be true. That's the, I think that's the, 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 uh, Shakespeare version of it, but it was, I think Aristotle basically said, know thyself. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, um, you know, that's the, the best thing any of us can do. That's the best starting point for anything. So know that self. I love it. That's a big, a, big, big letters on the billboard. You wouldn't take up, you know, so. Uh, I love it. That's uh, probably one of my favorite answers that I've gotten so far. Um, somebody you, tell you about the, the birds aren't real or birds are fake. You know, you know about that billboard? I do. I, I have a slight inclination that they, a few of the birds might not be real out there, but uh, I think that's just a fun thing to have in the back of your mind. Okay. Okay. So that didn't come from your podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not spreading okay. uh, those sort of conspiracy theories. Um, although I think Bigfoot was real at one point. I don't know if we, uh, he's probably out there at area 51 or something, but um, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll keep birds aren't real to, we'll keep that on t-shirts and bumper stickers and put know thyself uh, on a billboard. I think that's way more helpful, but uh, Robert, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, thank you again for being uh, a great, I call, I re- always refer to you as the, my pin mentor. Um, but you've been a, a great life mentor to me as well in my time in Birmingham. And uh, like I said, off the top, I'm super thankful that you stoked this fire to, to keep running. And uh, I still have that, that knife boy shirt. And it's always a constant reminder to, to go out there and, and really uh, enjoy it. But enjoy, enjoy it in the way we're supposed to enjoy it by hurting. Well, good. Well, good. Yeah, wear that knife boy shirt with pride. So <laughs> I will. It's an honor to have it. K butt, buddy. K butt. <laughs> K butt, indeed. Hody ho. Hody ho. All right, Charlie. Thanks, man. Most Thank you. Thank All you right. so much. This is awesome. I'll talk right. to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. All righty. That's a wrap on this episode of Switchbacks and Sweat Stains. Thank you again to Robert Pless for taking the time to be interviewed by me. And, uh, share everything, uh, from your knowledge of, uh, Penhody to your wisdom about running and, um, just your, uh, overall friendship. I, that probably was, uh, abundantly clear on this episode. 
uh, Robert's been a, a, a great uh, running mentor to me, um, was a good mentor to me in the, in the workplace, and uh, he's kind of the reason I'm still doing this, this sport of ultra running. It was kind of my springboard into um, the love and dedication and passion that I have for the sport uh, today. So um, thanks again, Robert, for all that, and thanks you for coming on to this episode. Uh, for all the dear listeners, thank you for listening to another episode. I know it's been a while. Uh, but it was the holidays and I just, I'm tired of making excuses. I finally got around to editing this episode and now it's out in the new year, new year, new us. Uh, next episode will come out in February and, um, we're going to try and shoot for two a month, but initially it's just going to be one a month and we'll see how it goes from there. So next episode will come out right around Valentine's day. Um, it will not be Valentine's themed unless we have uh, William James Sickenberger on to talk about something romantic. I don't know. Um, before I lose track and lose more listeners, uh, please remember to rate, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell people on Strava. Maybe we'll get Ultra Sign up to post this or something. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. Uh, that's all I have for this episode. And uh, we will see you soon. Run well, train well, stretch, eat well, and remember to get, you know, a good eight hours of sleep. We've deserved it.